I'd like to ask you to open your Bibles to the book of Romans. Romans and chapter number 10. Romans chapter number 10. The book of Romans is without a doubt one of my favorite books in all the Bible. I love the analytical discussion that the Apostle Paul has and how that uh, this book can be outlined uh, so simply. Uh, In chapter 1, verse 1 through 17, Paul puts his signature on the letter. And then verse 18 through chapter 3 and verse 20, he discusses the topic of sin and how that has plagued the world and drove men into depravity. And then in chapter 3, verse 21, one of the great buts in the Bible. But now, he says, salvation has appeared uh, through Christ. And chapter 3, 21 through chapter 5 and verse 21, he approaches the subject of salvation. Chapter 6, 7, and 8 tells us how now we are being sanctified as we yield ourselves to God and make ourselves servants to Him and not to sin. And then a very interesting thing happens in the book of Romans. Uh, some call it a parenthetical uh, passage. In chapters 9, 10, and 11, he gets into the subject of the nation of Israel, uh, who we know is the chosen nation of the Old Testament, and the light that God gave to the world during the Old Covenant. But now that Christ has appeared, he's building his church made up of Jew and Gentile. And the nation has been sort of set on the shelf for a period of time. But Paul says, listen, God is sovereignly working through the nation of Israel even yet. And so he takes some time to approach that issue of what God's doing with Israel in chapters 9, 10, and 11. Then kind of gets back on track. I mean, you never know when a preacher get on a rabbit trail, have you? Uh, that's kind of what he did in 9, 10, and 11. And then in chapter 12... He talks about the service of a believer and how we are to, many of us know verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your, what? Bodies. A living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Chapters 12 through 15, we present our bodies to service to the king. And then in chapter 16, he gives many salutations Uh, To people who've helped him along his ministry. One thing I find interesting. In chapter 12 verse 1. He tells us to present our bodies. Now going back to the subject of the nation of Israel. In chapters 9, 10, and 11. Dealing with God's sovereignty. I believe chapter 9 he speaks of Israel's past. Chapter 10 deals with Israel's present. And chapter 11 with Israel's future. Now, what's happening in the present among the nation of Israel? The Apostle Paul, I believe, shares his heart, his burden, as an Israeli who is desiring to get the gospel to his people. And I believe that as he tells us to present our bodies in chapter 12, verse 1, in chapter 10, he tells us what kind of a body... We are to be presenting. And so this morning I present to you missionary anatomy. 
It's a Sunday school class. So what a great time to have anatomy class. Uh, uh, I, I just think it's, it's very appropriate. Romans chapter 10. I'm going to read the whole of the chapter. And then we will break it down part by part. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written... How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they've not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? For Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. And by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hand unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. What's the very first thing the Apostle Paul says a missionary needs? A missionary needs to have bended knees. Paul said, my heart's desire and prayer to God. What position do we identify as the position of prayer? It is the position of bended knees. Now what does bended knees do? Bended knees will lead a person to a call. 
Many of us say, I don't feel called to missions. I don't feel called to service. I don't feel called to share my testimony. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew 9 and verse 38, the harvest is plenteous, the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. When we pray that prayer, it becomes very evident that we are to be the one who are called into the service and at that point we consecrate ourselves set ourselves apart unto God to delight to do his will every missionary every servant of the Lord will bend their knees in prayer and you say well Greg can't I just pray in any position absolutely I certainly hope so. Uh, you can pray sitting up. A lot of times I pray in my lazy boy recliner. Uh, sometimes I do mattress meditations. Amen. And uh, so, yeah, you can pray in every position. Okay. I had a friend of mine once said, Boy, I hate to fall asleep while I'm praying. I said, Why? That's the best way to fall asleep, isn't it? I mean, goodness, we should be praying. The Lord of the harvest. We should be praying to God. We should have that continual communion with him. But certainly when we recognize the bended knee. We recognize we are under and serving a greater authority. And we're coming with a petition. With our hearts poured out. And we pray that God would lead us so we could present our body. And when we present our body or before we present our body. Our body should be in a position that we're honoring Christ and we seek to honor him among the nations. The first anatomical part of a missionary is a bended knees. Now bended knees will cause a missionary to have a broken heart. What's up with our heart? Well, the Bible talks about times when our heart is uh, like fallow ground it's hard it becomes cold it grows indifferent to the things of God and to the plight of humanity and lost people around the world and when we bend our knees and we pray and we weep for souls and we pour out our heart to God it's in those times God can break up that fallow ground and he can melt the hardened heart and he can put in our hearts his desires and sort of do a heart transplant where we begin to desire the things of almighty God and a broken heart will cause us to be contrite. It will give us humility before him. The Bible says that a broken and a, con a broken spirit is the sacrifice of God. And a broken heart God will not despise. God doesn't despise our heart when it's broken. And it's seeking his blessing. But a broken heart will also help us to be compassionate. To see the needs you know the scripture, the Bible says that when the Lord Jesus saw the multitudes, he viewed them as sheep having no shepherd, and he was moved with compassion towards them. If you're like me, 
people are sometimes appalling. <laughs> it's not something I necessarily want to be moving towards. It's like, give me my space, okay? Don't be crowding me. Don't be upsetting my apple cart, if you will. Ah, get out of my way, <laughs> you know? I'm in a hurry. I've got things to do. I don't have time for you. The Lord Jesus was compassionate towards the needs. He was compassionate towards the people. We often talk or sometimes we think or we say, man, people are so ignorant. People are so dumb. They're so inconsiderate. Well, certainly they're that way. They're depraved. They're just like me. They're just like you. And they need someone to show them the light. Someone that has a broken heart. He that goes forth and weepeth bearing precious seed will doubtless come again rejoicing, bring his sheaves with him. And compassion is a good thing. And we bend our knees. God will break our heart. And that you know, that ooey-gooey feeling, it's not all bad, but it not, is not an end unto itself. If you're going to help someone, your broken heart needs to be enriched by biblical mind. If we're going to provide the help, if we're going to give the antidote to the problem, we've got to understand the remedy. And the remedy comes from the revealed holy scriptures, the written word of God. What does a biblical mind do? A biblical mind will cause one to be correct and it will help me to have convictions. Paul told his understudy Timothy in chapter 2 and verse 15. And I was thankful to take part in the Awana program uh, Wednesday night. Because the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. I believe sometimes God's people don't get involved in evangelism. Don't get involved in being compassionate to others. Because maybe you feel like, ah, I might get stumped. I might, they might ask me a question that I don't know the answer. Or, you know, I might get my thoughts twisted or whatever. Well, there's no need to fear that. But certainly pursue the Word of God with a passion. Study the Word of God as much as you are able. Defend the faith. Arm yourself with accuracy. But don't be afraid either of keeping the contrition that comes from a broken heart. And if you're asked a question you don't understand or don't know the answer, you can always say, look, I don't fully get that right now, but I will study it and we'll try to come back to it. Because here's the thing. One thing that they can't question, one thing that they cannot uh, undermine is the fact that you've been redeemed by the blood of Christ and you've been transformed through the power of God and that transforming testimony is certainly a point of emphasis in the power of the gospel. We can certainly say 
I might not know all the Bible, but I know how Christ has changed me. And that is a personal conviction that I know in my heart and that moves me day by day. Faith in the unseen. Faith in the power of Christ and continuing to be enriched biblically. Now as we study the word of God, our biblical mind gets its energy from a blessed spirit. Sort of building upon that testimony idea. I've been changed. Christ made me anew. I've been forgiven. My my deleted scenes are gone. They're not going to be reviewed. And no one's going to be able to hit the button and look at what God has deleted. And so it's a blessing to be saved. It's a blessing when I understand the content of the gospel. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And I know what Christ has done for me. And I can share that with you and he will certainly do it for you. In verses 8 through 13, we have encapsulated the great gospel message that we preach. And don't ever think that uh, you are not capable or not able of proclaiming the word of God. Don't take that word preach and say, well, that's just for Pastor Tony or that's just for the missionaries or uh, Brother Dave or whoever. No, we all are preachers. We all are proclaimers of the message of the fact that Jesus indeed Saves. That's the word of faith. And we project the idea to people that if you believe in your heart that Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he rose again according to the scriptures, you will be saved. That's the content of the gospel. Verse 13 is such a blessing. It's a blessing in any language. I'm going to give it to you in the tongue of Tanzania, Swahili. You have it before you. I read it. You've got the interpretation. Verse 13 in Swahili says, Kwakua, Kila, Atakaili, Tia, Gina, Labwana, Atakoka. Amen? I mean, that's good. It works around the world. It's a whosoever message. And the completeness of the gospel is astounding. The completeness comes by grace, just like the content. Romans eleven six 6 says, And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. I'll never forget Pastor Delphinus Donatus, who was in our Bible Institute, and I would often teach on the grace of God and how it's by the grace of God we're saved. And it's also by the grace of God that we are eternally secure. Now, as soon as you say that, Many people, oh, you're one of those uh, once in grace, always in grace. Well, if you understand grace, 
what the idea of grace is, how could you be anything else? Uh, Because grace, you get into it not by your merit. And you don't get out of it by your merit. But Delphinus had such a difficult time grasping this concept. Even though I would explain, look, eternal security is not a license. It's not a license to commit iniquity, but it's liberty to serve the Lord. It should, re, it should give us thankfulness. It should give us hope. It should give us gratitude. It should give us force to go forward and serve the Lord with gladness. Delphinus just wouldn't get it. His name's Delphinus. He's the pastor of the first church we ever started. But I gave him a nickname in Bible college, Doofus. Doofus sounds a lot like Delphinus, okay? It's like... Dude, you would teach truth, and it just took so long to sink in. And I would pray, and I would teach. And Delphinus, this, this is what the Bible says. Yeah, I know. But, uh, we were, I was teaching the book of Romans to my young preachers in Tanzania. And we got to chapter 11 of Romans, and I read in verse 6. And it was so amazing to see the lights come on. I remember when it happened. His eyes got big. He began to smile. And he said in class, Ah, I understand now. I get it. It's by grace, not of works. Otherwise, it couldn't be grace. And if it was by grace, it couldn't be of works. He says, verse 11, chapter 11, verse 6, I understand eternal security. And I felt so relieved. So well, that night I went home and had my cell phone sitting uh, by my bed. And it was before I learned to put my phone on airplane mode when I go to bed. Amen. So it says, I just leave it like in the air. And Tanzania would say, hey, Wani. It's in it's hey, Wani. It's uh, recognizable. And so I get, a, I get a call. And I look at it. Oh, it's doofus. What's he want? So I pick it up. <laughs> what do you What do you want? He said, what was that verse that you showed us in Romans class tonight? And it was about 11, 11 and I could hear some other voices in the background. I said, what are you talking about? That one, he said, grace works, uh, uh, you know, uh, Matendo, Naaman. What, which one was that? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Romans eleven six. He said, thanks, goodbye. Well, what he had done after class, he went to the people that were always telling him, that is not correct that's not right so now he was armed and dangerous amen he was an educated believer all right he had the word of God and his spirit was blessed and he was able to share with conviction compassionately the content of the gospel and certainly its completeness now a missionary's blessed spirit once your mind gets biblical and your spirit gets blessed it's not that you study and get stale it's not that you become educated beyond usefulness it's not that you uh, experience paralysis by analysis but your spirit's blessed and it moves your feet how beautiful are the feet of them A blessed spirit activates beautiful feet of those who go and preach, verse 15, the end, good things, exclamation point. 
exclamation. That is how God wants you and me to live our lives. Not as a question mark. Not as a period. But as an exclamation point. This little light of mine, I am going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, and let it go, and let it, there we are. Beautiful feet help a missionary walk in confidence. For we who go to distant lands far away and preach... It gives confidence to know that there are churches all around our, ho- our homeland who pick up prayer cards. And though we may only meet for a moment, but say, hey, missionary, I'm going to pray for you. Yeah. Got another one. Praying for When a church calls and says, hey, missionary, we're going to take you on for financial support. Yeah. God, you are confirming to us that we're on the right track. Thank you. We get a text or email, a like, a comment. Hey, we're praying for you. We're thankful for what you're doing. Friends, don't underestimate the age which we live and the power that is yours to put confidence into the servants of the Lord who are far, far away. I can assure you I will never grow tired of an email. I will never grow tired of a messenger message. I will never grow tired of a message sent via Twitter. I mean, all it takes is 140 or less characters, amen? You, you can even use emojis. Right? And it's like, whoa! Yeah. They're doing that for us. Awesome! It's great. Gives confidence. But you know what else it does? It helps the missionary stay on course. I can tell you, I know you experience loneliness here sometimes. I get that. I sometimes experience it here as well. But when you're 8,000 miles away from mom and dad. And you're 8,000 miles away from friends and other family. And you know, you make friends and you make connections. And true is the word of the Lord Jesus who said, Any man who forsakes houses and lands and mother and father and brother, sister for my sake, shall gain 30, 60, 100 fold in this life and in the life. To come eternal. I understand that. But sometimes. You just get lonely. And church say. Man these missionaries. You know, we support them. And boy then they, they just come off the field. They go for a couple of years. And they come back. And, and It's difficult. It's hard work. Just being there. Is hard work. Just being there. And then everybody, well, what are you doing? How many souls you want? How many churches you started? How many preachers you got? What's going on? And you know, then the pressure mounts. And missionaries, I'm alone. I'm lonely. I feel horrible. And I'm not even doing anything worth being here 
So I might as well just go back where I can be more productive. It's painful. It's easy to lose the way as you meander along this long and winding road. Any Lionel Richie fans out there? All right. Help them stay on course. Give confidence. Keep those beautiful feet moving. And finally this morning, beautiful feet carry beckoning hands. What does God say to Israel in verse 21? All day long, I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying nation. Beautiful hands help us communicate. You know anyone that people say about him, well, if you cut off his hands, he wouldn't even be able to talk. We communicate with our hands. Hands can speak a language that can never come off of our tongue. And sometimes something shouldn't just roll off our tongue, something careless, something that isn't calculated or sincere. But when you know someone's hurting and they're having a difficult time, sometimes you can just put your hand on their shoulder or put your arm around their neck and they know that you care. Beckoning hands help us to communicate. And beckoning hands help us to comfort. What makes up the servant of the Lord? What kind of body are we to present unto him? Well, we should bend our knees. Asking God to give us a broken heart. Be a student of his word to possess a biblical mind. And through his word, allow your spirit to be blessed and carry and activate your beautiful feet, which carry beckoning hands. My friends, anatomy class is dismissed.